Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today's story was shared by Ingram at our Bustavia, Alabama gathering. She talks about leaning on God and His provision during years of financial strain. You know, I've always had a subconscious belief that you naturally make more money as you get older, but that's not always the case. And while I did know that kids are expensive, no one warns you that costs constantly increase as they get older. So what many of us find and what Ingram shares is that budgeting can be a challenging, ever-changing process that requires us to continually exercise gratitude and also continually evaluate where we're placing our security, pride, and worth. Whether it's explaining to your kids for the 10th time why you can't take them skiing or working on a plan with your spouse to chisel down a mountain of debt. Financial pressures can lead to stress, anxiety attacks, depression, marital tension, and so much more. Ingram's story highlights what it looks like to humbly depend on God when in need and be satisfied in Him when in want. Here's Ingram. As Robin said, my name is Ingram Link. Um, I'm married to David Link, and we have four children. Lucy Ann is 24, and she lives in Dallas and works for American Airlines in corporate sales. Hank is 22 and is at Auburn. Elizabeth is 20 and is a small business fashion college in New York City called LIM. And then we have a 14-year-old, Sally James, who is a freshman at Bestavia High School. Um, what I'm really going to share about today how, is how God has challenged me, shown me how sinful my heart is, drawn me to himself, and shown his faithfulness to our family as we have lived in a place of financial difficulty for the past 18 years. And um, I will start by saying, Lindy, and I'm going to go ahead and throw her under the bus, first asked me to speak at Storyteller. She said, yeah, we want you to talk about creative for a purpose, this, you know, creative arts ministry that I started. And um, I was thrilled that God was going to be able to give me this opportunity to talk about this ministry that made me look so good and wonderful. (laughs) And so when I sat down with Sarah Beth and Robin, I said, okay, so I understand y'all want me to talk about creative for a purpose. And they both kind of looked at each other and looked at me and said, no, we want you to talk about finances. So, okay, 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 I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> but as I left the meeting, I was like, Lord, I was going to get to talk about how wonderful I am, and now I'm going to get to talk about my sin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So you can only imagine my excitement as I've been preparing for this. <laughs> um, I grew up in Rome, Georgia. Um, I had two younger brothers. My dad was a banker. My mom was an artist and still is. Actually, the cards that have the scripture verse on it um, is a painting my mom did. And um, one of the reasons I chose, chose this painting is because I feel like it shows God's faithfulness to all generations. My mom painted it. It's a picture of me and my oldest daughter walking down the street. And it's just really sweet. And um, so I wanted to share that with y'all. 
But we did a lot of things together as a family. I mean, we had breakfast together. We had dinner together. We went all of our vacations were as a family. We went on Sunday hikes, and on Saturday mornings, we did chores all together all the time. We went to church every Sunday, but the gospel really didn't come alive in my house until I was in middle school. Um, And God began to build a solid foundation of trusting him in my life, even then. Because my father was a banker, he was pretty strict about money. We were taught solid financial principles growing up. 10% went to church, 50% went to your savings account, and you had 40% to spend yourself. My parents were generous, but they were not extravagant. And when I wanted that pair of guest jeans, who remembers guest jeans? Y'all are probably okay. You know, it was like, okay, this is what Levi's cost. This is what guest jeans cost. You're going to have to make up the difference. So, you know, you babysat. Well, in those days, you walked around away from a night of babysitting with $5 in your pocket. It was big time. It took a lot of babysitting to get to those guest jeans. And so I learned a lot about the value of money, a lot about working hard, a lot about spending and saving, and, and I learned that the principle of tithing was non-negotiable. Um, I went to Auburn. I was a third-generation Auburn grad, and then I headed to Washington, D.C. I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be when I grew up, and it sounded like a fun city, so I'll be there. Um, I found a job. <laughs> that was a good thing. I got involved in a great church. I volunteered at Young Life, and um, I had the blessing of being discipled by an incredible woman for 11 years. There were a group of us who sat at her feet every Saturday morning early. You always study the Old Testament. I think one time in 11 years we studied the New Testament. But just really digging into Scripture was, was so rich over that time. In my mid-20s, I found myself engaged to my most, the most favorite person in the world. He loved Jesus. He was funny. He loved me. It was perfect. We had different views on how to manage money. But since I was right, he was going to come around to my way of thinking. Um, and let me just say, marriage has never been easy for us. It's, it's hard. We argue about a lot of stupid things. Mostly, it's about how I want to change him. Um, not sure if any of that applies to y'all, but, you know, our marriage would be great if he would just do what I wanted him to do. Um, and he's wonderful. Y'all, he is wonderful. He's faithful. He's loving. He's godly. He's a great dad. He's a hard worker. He's smart. He's thoughtful. I really could go on and on and on. When he's not bringing out the worst in me, he truly is bringing out the best in me. And he gave me an amazing, God gave me an amazing husband. When I started to work on the timeline for how to share the last 18 years of our financial journey, it really was really, 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 really long. So I thought, okay, I need to give highlights because really what I want to share with y'all is God's grace and God's mercy um, to this center because that's what it's about. And as I prayed and mulled, God kept reminding me, share that you're a sinner, share vulnerably, share without sugarcoating it. So I'm going to give you the picture of the event that changed the course of our life that was pretty much put together. It was January of 2001. We were living in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of D.C. I was at home spending time with my kids. Um, They were five, no, five, three, and one. At the time, we were members of the country club. I was part of a Bible study. Um, I had a leadership role in our young family's ministry at church. And it was great. And then our world came crashing down. Usually all of the bills went to Dave's office. I was happy to have him manage the money and pay the bills. 
I still had a little side business decorating office buildings for Christmas. I say little, it really wasn't little, but um, <laughs> we would... Mm, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but the money that I made from that covered things like preschool, clothes and activities for the kids, clothes for me, babysitters, people to clean the house, all the extras that I really considered necessities. Um, I don't know why that bill came to the house. And then I opened it. I don't know why I opened it. But bottom line was we owed a lot of money that I knew nothing about. There was a pit in my stomach. As I sat staring at that piece of paper, and my world just started spinning. Um, being the daughter of a banker, this was not supposed to happen to me. I knew how to do this. And the ensuing phone call to my husband, I will just say, resulted in wailing and gnashing teeth. Um, I really wanted him to tell me everything okay, and this was a huge mistake. But that was not the case. Um, as he had made some poor financial decisions, and we did talk about this. I want you all to know he knows. I mean, this is... Yeah, he knows that I'm talking about this. <laughs> um, and he'd been trying to keep that from me. I mean, I wanted this lifestyle. I wanted this lifestyle. And so he was really just trying to provide in the way he thought, you know, that I was demanding, basically. So he was trying to move money around, invest in other things, try to get this, this money that he had lost in some investments back. But basically, we'd lost a lot of money, and we were living above our means. I was mad. I was sad. I was disappointed. He was ashamed. He was broken. He was remorseful. And a major part of this was my pride. There was a part of me that thought if I had been doing our finances, this never would have happened. God in his grace and mercy really showed me that I was a Pharisee and that I was truly blind. It didn't matter if I would or would not have gotten us into a financial mess. I was just as much a sinner as my husband. And putting the blame on him for our circumstances was not going to change or improve our circumstances. God had a lot of work to do on me. And over the years, he has gently and graciously pruned and refined me as I struggle with many of the same sins over and over again. Pride, unbelief, entitlement, a judgment heart, the list goes on and on and on. I knew God saw our circumstances he, I knew he was intimately involved in every detail of our finances. I knew he saw Dave. I knew he saw me. And I knew he saw our family. And God gently guided this desperate woman, because I was desperate, to his word, to prayer, and to my sisters in Christ. There were two passages of scripture that I camped out on then. And y'all, I go back to them again and again and again. The first one is Psalm 91. Um, and... God is my refuge and my fortress. In God, I trust. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. It has reminded me over and over that God will deliver. God will cover me. God will protect me and be with me. He is my salvation. My deliverance may not come here on earth, but with long life and eternal life, I will be in the presence of the Lord. In Ezekiel 36, which sounds like such a strange passage to go to, y'all, I love this, and I don't know how, I really don't think I'd ever heard it or read it before um, I came to this, but you see this beautiful picture of God restoring the Israelites. They have turned their back on him. He has scattered them among the nations, but he is restoring them not because of their goodness, but because of his goodness. They were guilty. And I'm going to sort of paraphrase and jump around the passage because it's long. But I want you to listen to what God is going to do and what God does for the Israelites because that's what he was doing for me. 
O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they will soon come home. For behold, I am for you. I will multiply you. The whole house of Israel, the city shall be inhabited and the waste places rebuilt. And I will multiply man and I will do more good to you than ever before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. So I poured out my wrath upon them and I scattered them among the nations. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. Wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from your uncleannesses. I will summon the grain and make it abundant. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known. Then the nations that are left all around, you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I could pitch a fit. I could blame all this on God, on Dave. But God graciously showed me that I was just as much a sinner as my husband. I was not any less guilty than he was. And God reminded me over and over that our covenant of marriage was more important than the circumstances we found ourselves in. God called me to confess and repent of the sin in my life before my husband. I was called to love him, the man God had given me unconditionally, As God continued to take my heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh, I was to walk in his statutes and obey his laws. And that meant forgiving and loving Dave. However, he was not expecting this to do do this on my own. The scripture tells us that God will put, he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my rules and I will be your guides. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are in this. You see me and you have not forsaken me, and you have given me the helper that Jesus promised. The Israelites went their own way. As we began this roller coaster of financial instability, God showed me that I had been going my own way long enough, and he was going to bring me back. But it wasn't for my comfort. It was for his glory. Together, Dave and I spent a lot of time praying and seeking the Lord. As we worked through where we were living and what we were doing, we decided it was time to make a change. This is a whole nother story, but God led us to Birmingham to open Gold's Gems. Um, I have to tell you that while we were sort of in the investigation process of what we were going to do, we put some specific requests before God. Dave and I just didn't want to be on the same page. Our desire was to honor God and be where he wanted us to be. 
Um, he was trying to figure out how to get to Birmingham to do some due diligence and research on, on this project. And so we determined between flights and a rental card and food, he was going to need to close to about $500. So we decided to pray specifically for an extra $500. And remember, we're in a financial mess. So we started praying. After a few days, Dave came home and said, well, he likes 100% commission jobs. I don't know why. Um, and we started, he came home, well, I think I may get a little extra money this month. We can move some things around. And after discussing it and praying, we were like, no. We, we decided that we agreed and we were going to wait for the Lord and that if he wanted us to come down and look at this, then he would provide that. Y'all, a few days later, we had a family dinner at his mom's house, and his mom called Dave and his brother into the dining room for something. Um, when he came back, he walked over to me. He had the most incredible look on his face, and he said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, well, my soul dad's coin collection his father had died when he was 13 and and she gave us each our share of the coin collection <laughs> and y'all guessed it. it was the amount dave needed to come to birmingham so it's like okay step one lord we're just going to keep laying this out we're just going to keep laying this out it didn't mean that we were going to move to alabama but it meant we could walk through that first door and continue to trust the lord god continued to move and continued to open doors and um, so I came down at the end of May and looked for a house, looked at one in Mountain Brook, one in Vestavia, one in Homewood, one in Hoover, and then one in Vestavia worked. Okay, we'll move there. Uh, one day, one house. <laughs> so a couple of weeks later, you know, literally like three or four weeks later, we moved our family of five to Birmingham, dog and a cat. Um, I knew a few people from college, but basically we just showed up here. Um, one of the things, and I was telling Kira this uh, earlier, one of the things that was important to me when we moved here, being in Northern Virginia, I, I was tired of having to plan my life around traffic. And I was tired of having to spend 15, 20 minutes to get anywhere. So I told Dave, I want to be within seven minutes of everything in our life. <laughs> and actually, that's worked out pretty well until my kids started to play lacrosse and we had to drive out to Sigurd Halla. <laughs> um, but so, and you know, back in 2001, websites weren't really that helpful. Um, so what Sunday, the first Sunday afternoon we were here, I drove around sort of figuring out where the PCA churches were. That's what we had been a part of in Virginia. And we knew that's really what we wanted to be a part of here. Well, Covenant had this big sign out front said, VBS starts tomorrow. So Monday morning, I show up with my children. Hey, we just moved here. <laughs> Can they come to VBS? I'm going to go home and pack boxes. I'm pack boxes. They're like, of course, of course. Um, God was so gracious. I reconnected with friends from Auburn. I reconnected with a friend that I hadn't seen since I was seven years old. Um, we got to know people in our neighborhood that were a covenant. And it just, God was so sweet just to make that an easy transition for us. So we're here in Birmingham. And um, to take you through all of the jobs, all the businesses, all the efforts and all the failures would really take forever. So I'm going to keep it real simple. We had no money. We accumulated debt. We worked and worked and worked, but we were barely getting by. We had children who needed things. We had a mortgage and a house that needed a lot of love. We had cars with hundreds of thousands of miles on them that always seemed to break down. We did actually open the first two gyms in Birmingham, but that didn't really work out the way we planned, and we had to walk away. Kids are expensive, and in 2004, we added another child to the mix. They get sick. They need braces. They need stuff. Dave had a heart attack, followed by some other medical issues. I spent many nights asleep on the floor on the ER at Brookwood. I will tell you one night, I mean, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going to Brookwood. 
I left a message for our neighbor. Hey, we're at the hospital. The kids are asleep. If you wake up and our cars aren't there, would you go check on them? But as we're driving down the house, like, Lord, can there please just be somebody in the ER? I know I can't do this alone anymore. It's just, and we walked in and I don't know, Greg Ledbetter is an ER doctor at Brookwood, and he was a friend of mine from college, and he was there. And I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just those little places where God showed up and said, I see you. One of our children spiraled into major depressive disorder. And for five years, our life was consumed with doctors, therapists, hospital visits, and residential treatment programs. I cooked food out of my house, sold meals to my friends. One of our business ended in bankruptcy. How could this be happening to me? How could this be happening to us? I was smart. I loved Jesus. I made good decisions. I worked hard. I knew every cashier's name at Sam's, and I was nice to them. They knew my name, you know? Dave was trying and working so hard. We didn't always agree on what we should be doing or how, you know, little decisions, but we kept plugging away. God truly blessed us with, ah, (laughs) blessed us blessed us um, with supportive and loving parents who generously helped with major medical bills, cars, homeowner issues, and things the kids needed. We had friends who loved us, even if we couldn't go to dinner with them, or head to Auburn for a football game or get away for a couple's weekend. Um, Not long after we moved here, Vestavia as a community built the playground at Wald Park, which I think is coming down if it hadn't been torn down already. So we hadn't been here very long. I volunteered to serve on the committee, and I actually ran the child care that week. Um, and so parents would come, and they would work. They would drop their kids at child care, and then they would go work. Um, but one of the ways that we were raising money for the playground was to make the hand tiles. And um, Lucy Ann was in first grade, and she really wanted to make one of those hand tiles. And I said, sweetie, we just can't do that. I said, but if you really want to, I think you just need to start praying about it. Just pray that, if, if, you know, that God would make a way for that to happen. So a few days later, I had a call from someone on the committee who noticed we were not on the schedule for making those hand tiles. And I said, you know, financially, we are just not in a place where we can do that. And she graciously replied, it will be taken care of. Make your kids, get your kids on that schedule for those hand tiles. So to be able to come home and share that with Lucianne and for her to see God's faithfulness, my kids really have gotten to see God work in amazing ways through all this in ways um, they wouldn't necessarily see. Um, I kept going back to those passages in Psalms and Ezekiel. I kept seeking the Lord. I was thankful and I did trust him. I really did. But y'all know that phrase, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I knew in my heart what was true, but it was a constant battle to actually live it. I was always struggling against trying to fix it. There was a part of me that really believed that if we were going to have any financial stability, I was going to be the one that was going to have to create it. As I read and reread these passages and I have prayed, God has revealed some truths to me over the 18 years that I really have stood on. One of those is forgiveness. God had made it clear in the very beginning that forgiving Dave was a non-negotiable. The Holy Spirit is the one who equipped me to forgive him, and I could not have done that apart from Christ. However, for many years, I continued to struggle with not letting him forget, and that's a regret I have. I regret holding on, waiting for him to prove himself, and that has caused pain in our marriage. God has continued to humble me, and I'm so thankful for the man Dave is because he sought the Lord, and he didn't grow bitter toward me. Rather, he forgave me again and again as I struggled to love him unconditionally. Another thing God really taught me about was fellowship, and that includes um, several things. One, wise counsel. Go and seek counsel and prayer from those who are wiser. 
the couple that did our marriage counseling were dear friends. And when this happened in 2001, we went back and sat at their feet seeking wisdom and guidance. They were gracious and loving, but firm. They gave us practical and spiritual guidelines that allowed us to walk through the initial shock together and to look at where we were financially and how we got there. One of the other things I think about with fellowship is friendship. We are not called to walk through these difficult challenges alone. I had friends in Virginia that held me up and challenged me to live above my circumstances, love Dave and love God. When we moved here, God blessed us with friends who have shown up again and again and again. They have never made me feel less than. They have never made me feel like these struggles are my fault. They have never shown any indication that they are tired of hearing of our issues. <laughs> they have loved me and loved me well. One of the other things I think about with fellowship is worship and the importance of worshiping God through prayer and personal devotion, but most importantly, in community. And God brought us to an amazing body of believers who we are blessed to worship with each week. But our church extends far beyond one Sunday a week together. These people have prayed with me over and over. They have helped us financially. They have encouraged us. And as I read and study scripture, I am overwhelmed with what the Bible teaches us about living life together as believers, praying, encouraging. Um, we are not called to live this life alone. And I do, that is one aside I want to make. If you are not if you just show up at church on Sunday, wherever you go, or maybe you're not going to church, I, I do, I want to challenge you, dig in, dig into that church, get involved, be there. I do think that's so important when you hit those rough places that you've got a body of believers to stand with you. As I try to think through specific financial struggles, they've all become a blur, and that's probably a good thing. There were many times that I would get in my car and drive around so angry at God, and that doesn't God doesn't, that doesn't scare God for us to be angry. Think about the Psalms. David does that all throughout the Psalms. Um, angry that I could not afford to buy my new clothes or that we were going to be eating potatoes all week because that's all we had. Um, and then I get home and feel guilty that I'd use gas driving around. Um, <laughs> I bartered the meals that I was making so my kids could take gymnastics or dance or what other activities they wanted to do. David coached every sport they wanted to do in hopes of getting a discounted registration fee, and he learned how to ref a number of sports so he could earn extra money. My kids also knew when my paycheck came, so they knew when they needed a calculator or a book. They knew what day of the week to ask. You know? <laughs> they figured that out really quickly. They all got jobs. They bought their clothes. They bought their cars. They had their spending money. Um, I remember one day, the power guy, the guy from the power company, standing in front of our house getting ready to turn the power off. Y'all, I don't remember how Dave convinced him to leave it on, but somehow he did. <laughs> so it didn't turn out, get turned off. And then there was another day. This is where I'm going to use the cuss word you told me I was allowed to use. Okay. <laughs> another day, our septic tank backed up, and literally there was shit coming up in our showers and our tubs. All I can remember is thinking, how in the world are we going to do this? And I really I have no idea how, how that worked out. But we did get our septic tank taken care of. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. Laura lives next door to me. Um, <laughs> Y'all also remember when our washer and dryer broke. And I remember posting something on Facebook. Hey, anybody got an extra washer and dryer around? Like, yeah, somebody's really got an extra washer and dryer lying around. Well, they did. Two hours later, there's somebody from church showing up, bringing a washer and dryer down our driveway. Over and over again, God has provided in, in so many ways through a very, very loving community. Um, 
envelopes of cash at Christmas. Just, I mean, just so sweet and mostly anonymously. One of my favorite memories, though, and this doesn't, I mean, I don't want y'all to think I'm, this happened all the time because it didn't. But it's really kind of funny. I decided to lay it on all on the line with God. I was like, Lord, you know how much money we owe. You know how much money we need to get back to where we need to be. Um, this is the amount that I think we need. And I know that you can put an envelope with a check for that amount in my mailbox. So you know what? You just do it. You just do it. Okay. So within a few days, a check did appear in our mailbox. It was not addressed to me. It was from a property management company. Um, it was from a law firm like in Philadelphia or Boston. It was going to a property management company in Texas. I used to work in commercial real estate. I knew what that check was. I knew it was a rent check. And I also knew those rent checks could be really big. Y'all, I'm sitting there in the driveway, moving the little envelope around, you know, looking to see. Yeah, it was the exact amount I had demanded from God. The exact amount. And I just stood there and I always laughed. I just laughed. I was like, yeah, okay. I told you you could put a check in my mailbox. You can. You prove that. Okay. <laughs> Y'all. And I really just thought, God sees me. And that's not how he's going to get me out of this. We're going to have to keep going through it. We're going to have to keep going through it. And he just reminded me, I'm in the details. I'm in the struggles. I see you. I love you. He was at work, but I was mad. Y'all, I was mad. Why? This wasn't fair. Everybody else's life was easy. And y'all, I know it's not. But it looked like that, and it felt like that. I was constantly fighting against being bitter and fighting against unbelief. How could this life truly be God's best for us? So many of the jobs and businesses Dave had been involved in could easily have swung the other way. What was God punishing me for? You know, I saw a lot of people who were not as smart as me, not as kind as me. They were doing great. Um, I mean, and if God would just give us money, we would give it back to people. You know, we would do that. There were times I was mad at Dave. I was mad at God. I was mad at my children. Um, but at the same time, there were things I was happy about. There were things I was thankful about. It, it's like when Paul says... Um, how we keep sinning, we keep doing the things we do not want to do. I knew God was faithful, and I preached the gospel to myself over and over again and found myself confessing and repenting, confessing and repenting, confessing and repenting. Um, one of the gifts that God has given us, given me particularly, as we have struggled, is the roles and jobs that I've truly been blessed with. My goal, stay at home, play tennis, eat lunch, do a Bible study, and maybe do a little bit of good for Jesus. That was my life. Um, he's truly worked in a different way, calling me to true dependence on Him. And He's blessed me in ways that I never would have pursued. Starting Creative for a Purpose stretched me, tested me, ha- continues to, but it's also used many gifts and talents and allowed thousands of girls to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ every summer. Um, I'm director of women's ministries at Covenant now. It is a calling I am humbled and excited to do every day. I, I feel like I have the best job in the world. Um, as we started sending kids to college, you know, they grow up and they get even more expensive. We got to see more and more of God's goodness and God's provision. When my grandmother passed away in the middle of all this, we, we took that little money that, you know, we could have used a thousand different ways. And we divided it up in four little, three little pockets, actually. We thought Sally's so young. We don't need to start saving for her. Surely it'll all be better by then. Um, <laughs> and really, we had just enough money for everybody to go to school for one year. Okay, one year. We're going to get started. Um, and you heard me say, I've got a child in New York City. 
Okay, so when she expressed interest, and she's a different bird, y'all, she's a different bird, and she always said she wanted to go to Auburn and Dave, and I'm like, that is not going to work. That is not going to work. So her junior year, she came home, she said, I think I think I want to go ahead and go to New York. I, I think I do. And we're like, ah! sending your 17 or 18-year-old to New York City, that's a, that, besides the money, who wants to do that? So one of our sort of philosophies with our kids is let's go, if if they want to pursue something, let's go down the road until God closes the door. Let's not be the one that closes the door on it. Let's, let's let them sort of work through it and for God to shut that door. So, okay, we're going to go down this road with her. Um, one of the things that happened, there's so many things that, okay, so I'm worried about her going to New York. I don't, I don't really like, love the idea of my daughter going to New York. Um, there was a guy across the hall from me at work who was the RUF campus minister at Sanford. He walked into my office about a week and a half, two weeks after Elizabeth had told us she really wanted to go to New York. And he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, we're not going to be at Sanford next year. We're moving to New York City to be the campus ministry for the New York City colleges. Okay. All right. Lord, we're going to have somebody there. <laughs> you know. Um, so I said, okay. Okay. All right. That, that's the start. We're going to go through door number one. Um, as we continued to explore options, she was doing so much research. Y'all, there are so many colleges in New York. You would not believe it. And she knew she wanted to do something in fashion, but not design. So that's a little trickier. Um, we had family friends who, when they found out we were investigating some things in New York, said, hey, we've got an apartment up there. Go use it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I think my mom gave us points to go up there with airlines. I don't know. We ended up going up there. We went and visited a couple of colleges. I had the hives. I really didn't. I was like, oh, oh. But she really fell in love with FIT. Tuition was high. Housing was high. No scholarship options and no financial aid. I was like, this is not going to happen, sweetie. But, you know, you can apply. Um, And then she went back home and she started looking up more New York options. Dave had to go back up there for business for something. So that she went with him and they they looked at this one school called LIM that, that she had sort of zeroed in on, and, and she loved it. She loved it more than FIT. Tuition was even higher. But they had scholarships, and they had financial aid. And so we're like, okay, let's go through this door. So when all that came through, it was going to cost us about the same amount to send her to Auburn as to send her to LIM. So we're like, okay. But you can't come home. I mean, you're going to go up there. You can come home for Christmas, and that's it. And that made her a little nervous. Lucy Ann, in the meantime, is interviewing for jobs. She gets a job with American Airlines. American Airlines parents fly for free standby, and you get a plus one that flies free for standby. So Elizabeth now has a way to get back and forth to New York, and we can get to her if we need to. Um, and the past two years, she's been an RA, which, mean her, which means her housing has been free. So God has just provided for her to be there um, in a way that we never would have foreseen. And if we hadn't been in this situation, probably wouldn't have looked for her. So we've gotten to see God's faithfulness. And as we have endured this lifestyle, it's, it's gotten easier. I don't panic when we don't have any money and I only have $20 to put gas in my car and we're going to be eating cereal for a couple of days. It's okay. It, it really is. Um, Dave and I can go through the numbers every month without getting in a knockdown, drag out fight. Um, we don't always see eye to eye. He's still 100% commission. Um, so budgeting can be a challenge. But, you know, God continues to show us our sin. And we have become much quicker to confess to God and to one another. And as that rhythm of confessing and repenting, and I share this in Bible study Wednesday night, has become more and more the fabric of our lives as God has faithfully drawn us to himself. And our words and our reactions 
are more generous. We're not so quick to knee jerk. Um, but that, that rhythm of confessing and repenting, confessing and repenting has made a huge difference in our marriage. I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with pride and a judgmental heart and a sense of entitlement. And there are things Dave does that drive me crazy. But God, but God, but God, but God in his grace and his mercy and his goodness and the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross dying for my sins has given me a life that is abundant and filled with riches that are eternal. And my best life is a life that is totally dependent on Christ. And if my heavenly father who knows what is best for me has me and our family in this place where we are financially stretched, that is exactly where I want to be because I know that is the safest place for me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, under your wings I find refuge, Lord. And as I pray, Father God, I pray that we would each find refuge under your wings, Lord. I thank you that you love each one of these women, that you see each one of these women. Father God, that you know the details and circumstances of their lives intimately. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and that they would know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I thank you, Father God, for this time. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What questions? <laughs> Um, has any questions? What is that? Okay. Do you have any advice for helping your kids see, like, have a good holistic view of where you are, but also not burdening them with worries? Yeah, no. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Okay, so the question was, is there a way to give your children a realistic picture of where you are without giving them worry or put, placing a burden on them? And yes and no. I mean, no, it is what it is. Yes, I think you continually to point them to Christ and, and you allow them to see God's faithfulness. And that doesn't mean your house is going to look like everybody else's house. It doesn't mean you're going to get the car when you turn 16. Um, you're not going to go on exotic vacations, you know, and that's okay. I think that's, um, it, it's obviously very okay. Um, you know, we joke about we are so rich. We are, we are so rich. And I'm not, not joking. I mean, we're serious about it with our kids. Yeah, we don't have, but we do have a lot of money compared to most people in the world. You know, what's important? And, and, and allowing your children to see that those things that are really important. Um, you know, and as I see my children who are now grown and out and about, um, and I see they're so well equipped for life. I mean, they are so well equipped for life. They've got incredible work ethics. That wouldn't have happened if we had given. I would have given them everything they wanted. Ingram, how did your how did your your parents like? How, how did that go? How did that go? How did it go with my parents? Okay, so that's a great question, Katie. Um, I will say in the beginning, this was really hard for them, um, but there came a point where. I remember telling my mom because she, they kept saying, well, y'all need to be doing this and you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this. And I finally was like, I need you to support me as a wife to my husband. I don't need you to be telling me what he should be doing or I, I need you 
to help me support him. And she was like, oh, you're right. And I think that was really helpful. And it's really interesting because we, she and I talked the other day, and I had not mentioned I was doing this to her. And I told her what I was doing. And she was like, you know, I always feel bad that we didn't help more when you were cooking all that food. I mean, y'all, you should have said, I mean, mean, you cannot imagine. I'll go to Sam's and come home with a Suburban full of food. And we had coolers and grills and ovens. and, and, And I but you know what? God did not give them the eyes to see that at that point. So I think part of it is just praying that as people see they will respond. We can't control other people. We're not responsible for others people for other people. Um, but they have been very, very gracious. I think Lucienne got to go to school a second year because they paid for it. <laughs> so you know. What would you say to people, especially our community, that everybody seems to really have it together? Um, what would I say to people in our community that everyone seems to have it together? I, I think we have got to be willing to build relationships with one another in small groups where we are honest. Um, that, that doesn't need to happen in big circles, but it does. That's when I talked about fellowship, um, friendship. Have your people. Have your people that you can be honest with. Um Many of you know Misty Powell, and she and I used to run together in the mornings. And, oh, my goodness, I'm so thankful for the sanity that she gave me. Um, I did used to run a long time ago. But, you know, I mean, we would run early. That was the only time we could do it. We all had all these children. Um, But just having somebody that you can be honest with. And I think, you know, if you share something with one person, it's a lot easier to share it with another person. And then it's a lot easier to share it with another person. So, I really would just encourage people to open up, be willing to trust one another. And when someone does trust you, keep that confidence. How do you teach your kids to be giving when you don't have a lot to give? I will tell you, my children know that if someone is sick or has a baby, you take a meal. They know that. And, and, and part of that was easy for us because we had so much food around. <laughs> when I stopped cooking, we stopped doing that. We had to think of something else. My children did give up their time. I mean, I, one of the things I think I left out was Lucien started making pound cakes. I mean, that was she, she was making pound cakes in the kitchen as I was cooking. Um, you know, I think you just... As you do it, and you know, a lot of times it's a lot easier to go do things like that without our children, but I think it's really important that they see us doing that. It was important to me that my kids went to Sam's with me, and they knew I knew all the people at Sam's name. I mean, y'all, the people at Sam's knew Sally when she was in a pumpkin seat, and when she goes in there with me now, they're like, oh my gosh, she's so tall. How did she get so big? I mean, so I think taking them with you. You said um, at one point you were just saying how you were looking around going, everybody's got this or that. I mean, did you experience that? Were your kids ever like that with you? Did they ever come home and say, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And how did you handle that? Did, did my kids ever want everything that everybody else had? Of course they did. How did we deal with that? You know, it is what it is. And I think I just, that's just not where God has us. Was a lot of times I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. I, I really... I was the kind of mom that when one of my kids said, hey, that's not fair, 
they got more than I did, I would just say, well, I like them better. I just was not, I just, not very empathetic. I mean, I just, so yeah, you're not getting that. It's not fair. Life's not fair, but God sees you and God loves you. And, and you want God's best for your life. And that is not God's best for you. And no, they didn't like hearing that. And Sally still doesn't like hearing that. She can't wait for the two years when nobody's in college. She thinks she is just going to rock and roll and get all this stuff. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah, I don't think Hank's getting out of school anytime soon, sweetie. <laughs> We did. Okay, our neighborhood, I mean, like, we would eat together. If somebody didn't have food, you'd go next door, hey, you got anything I can eat? I mean, we did. If you needed a costume, if you needed a dress, if you needed it, we shared. We shared resources. We did. I remember one year for, was it Hank's science experiment at East? He decided he wanted to build a hovercraft. So Dave built a hovercraft. Well, the next year, Elizabeth bedazzled that hovercraft for her (laughs) science project. And then... The next year, somebody used it, and then they started those market days. I think five children in our cul-de-sac took that hovercraft to East and to Central and used it for market days. It kept on working. So having neighbors right there that you can share resources with is huge. It's really sweet. Lindy. How did I come up with the idea to cook casseroles? And, you know, this was way before you could get casseroles in stores. I mean, this was not a thing. I'll tell you who it was. It was your sister. Melissa Salem said to me, you're a good cook. People would buy your meals. Nobody wants to cook anymore. Y'all, the first Monday I made 12 chicken pot pies. I thought, I'm going to die. I can't do this. But, I I mean, I kept on going and people, grace, y'all kept on coming and buying them. And it was like the beauty parlor in the afternoon. <laughs> I mean, every you wanted to find out what was going on in Vestavia because there was no group me or chatter back then. You came to my house and you saw everybody. You knew what was going on. As far as what to make, y'all, that really that was God. I mean, I, I, I had no. I just started mixing things and making things. And truth be told, Dave is really a much better cook than I am. And he would come up with recipes. He would come up with the ideas and the recipes, and then I would figure out how to make 75 of them, you know, vats and vats. So refrigerators, freezers, coolers, you name it. So it was fun. Glad it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Never cook. I never cook. I really don't. I made enough Bobby C. chickens for a lifetime. And Sally does not understand why nobody in my family will eat Bobby C. chicken anymore. I mean, she, she, she wants it. We're like, mm, sorry, we're not. No. It was a way to make money. Creative for a purpose played into this because I thought, oh, I could make some extra money. I can have some girls over. And, and a lot of it had to do with... Lucienne was like in fourth or fifth grade. The world was screaming, you need to be in this enrichment class. You need to be on this travel soccer team. You need to be on this level gymnastics, whatever it was. And I was like, this is not okay. This is not okay for the world to define who our girls are. And so my mom's an artist. I was cooking. I thought, let's do some sort of something different for girls that will really give them a hands-on way to experience who God is. But really, a part of it was money. I mean, I could get, you know, 12, 20 girls in my house and we could make some money. So we, um, 
I found a friend that sewed, a friend that painted, a friend that scrapbook, a friend that, and, and we started it in two years, did it in our houses. And then it was clear we had hit a need. And so I went to the church. I was working in the kitchen at the church at the time. And they were like, well, come on, let's do it here. So that ended making money on it. You know, so, so I thought I had this thing that I was going to get to make money off of. God's like, no, no, you're not. You're not. This, this is, you know, this is ministry. This is ministry. And I'm so thankful for that because it then was not, not about the money. How many churches is it in now? I think we're in 14 or 15 churches this past summer in six different states. So, thank y'all. Thank you. We have so much to think about over the Thanksgiving holidays, and I always think it's healthy to evaluate and take inventory of all the blessings in our lives. One of the most intriguing parts of Ingram's story is how God used her talents and passions not only to supplement her family's income, but also to become incredible ministries for her friends and neighbors and communities. I also appreciate her reminder that she never would have seen the incredible ways that God provided and shared His love had they had everything they needed. God loves us too much to give us everything we want so that we never need anything from Him. Before we close today, I wanted to share a brief message from Robin Cowan, who is our founder and executive director of Storytellers Live. Here she is. Hey, everybody, this is Robin from the Storytellers Live team, and I'm the executive director. And I don't pop in on the podcast often, but with it being the holidays and coming up on Thanksgiving, we have really just been reflecting on all of you. We are so thankful for y'all, for our community, for our people. Um, Y'all are so supportive and so encouraging of what we do. You share our podcast all the time. We get um, stories from all of you constantly of how God is using these stories through Storytellers Live. We just cannot thank you enough. As we're coming into the holidays, we just wanted to really let all of you know that you are the ones that fund us. I don't know if you know that, but we're, you know, we're currently in eight cities and we're growing and we have new things on the horizon. And it is because of you that we're able to do that, that we're able to grow our podcast, that we're able to go into new cities, that we're able to, to create materials, to dig deeper into our stories. And you're going to see some new things coming up in the future. And so you can partner with us if you want to do that financially you can go online to storytellerslive.org we have a donate page and as you're coming up on giving tuesday which is the tuesday after thanksgiving we would love for y'all to partner with us and think of us through the rest of the season and just we wanted to let y'all know how thankful we are for you we're praying for all of you this holiday season and and thanks for being a part of our team Thank you, friends, for joining us. We'll be back next Wednesday with another news story. We'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to whatever platform you use. And be sure to follow Storytellers Live on social media for the latest news and announcements. Thank you for choosing to listen to Storytellers Live today. We wish you the happiest Thanksgiving, and we hope you'll join us again soon.